to the Game of Thrones flashcast. Talking about episode eight of season six of Game of, Game of Thrones. No one joining me. I'm Jason Snell. I'm often here. Joining me to talk about this episode is no one. No one. Oh, I mean, it's Dan Morin. Hi, Hello, Dan. I am no one. <laughs> That's right. I am. I am Dan Morin of Winterfell. Yeah. Ah. Well, you. I suggest you go home. Fine. Get on I'll home. I'll go home. Dan. Get on. Get on home. Mm. Uh, we Move are along home we are here. This is this is a nice uh, following up on having Erica and Stephen in my garage with me talking about Game of Thrones on a Sunday night. Dan is in my garage with me. Hi, Dan. There are a lot of people in this garage. That's right. <laughs> it's very crowded. The faceless, Please let some of them go home. The faceless men are here. There's do, a lot do, of faces on the wall. It makes you me like, nervous. I don't you, like the decor here. Do you like the faces? <laughs> no. You, no. Okay. Well, then I'll put the curtain back. And Thank you. You can okay. just don't just pretend they're not there. Uh, no one. Lots of stuff happened in this episode. That seems to be the theme of season six. Oh, man. I love it. I, I love do, too. It. <laughs> I do, too. I've really enjoyed the season. I like that they, the narrative keeps picking up. I feel like everything's got a reason for happening in a way that it didn't used well, to. And they, I think they really took a liberty with the idea of like, hey, we're going to need uh, to start wrapping some stuff up because yeah. we know our show has an end date. And so we need to, rather than just sort of keep spinning off stories, we got to start bringing those back. And so, you know, getting into a lot of the stuff that hasn't happened in the books or a lot of stuff that sometimes felt meandering in the books. Right. And finally being like, okay, we're going to rein it in and we're going to, you know, like a story is great. You can be in the middle for a really long time, but at some point you got to come to the end. Yeah. Things, things, you need to get that sense that everything is starting to head to a, to a climax and mm-hmm. you're going to think storylines are going to come together and all the storylines are starting to point sort of uh, together and things are happening. And also it, this episode, um, it doesn't feel, you know, sometimes it's pejorative to call it uh, furniture moving. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that sometimes with shows where I, I felt like this episode, you know, it was it was moving some furniture in a way, but in a, in a good way, I think. But because you, you just get the sense big stuff is about to happen because right. they got two episodes left. This episode is doing some, you know, doing some work that needs to be done to push us where we are headed in the next right. Couple. Even with that, I think there's important things that happen oh, in yeah. this episode that don't just move the dial, but also change the states of like some of our characters uh, and new alliances, all this stuff. So yeah, there is some table setting here in terms of like putting everything where it's got to be to knock down those last two episodes. But a lot of it is also moving characters to places that we've wanted them to be, right? Like, you know, uh, there's been some some direction with some of them where it's like, okay, we're ready to like kind of move on with this character. This character is reaching their, you know, their realization or their apotheosis or whatever. I don't know. And so, you know, I think it's nice to get to that point finally and be like, all right, great. Everybody's back where they should be or like getting right there. And we're, we, we're getting to this. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's break it down. Um, let's start with the, uh, the, the, uh, the brotherhood is out in the, uh, mm. in the riverlands or wherever they are, uh, or at least guys who were in the brotherhood or, or, or we, we find out it's four, four guys sitting around a fire. They're, they're, there's a ribald humor. <laughs> the ribald humor. Oh, oh ribaldry. Ribald humor. And, um, and then there's a shot of one of the guys who's mad at the other three guys, and he's uh, glaring at them. But meanwhile, out of focus in the background, the hound is marching toward them, <laughs> and everybody else stands up, and he turns around and gets his head cut off. And the hound, in like a good you know, 45 seconds, kills all four of those guys. Yeah, they were having a bad day. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're, they're not good at what they what they do. And he asks where the guy in the yellow cloak was, and the guy can't even answer that question. Um, which and then so the hound insults him again, and, and so, yeah, you can't even can't even die very well, basically. <laughs> and and uh, you're out you're out of here. Uh, but later in the episode, we go when we go back to the hound. Um, they run into the real Brotherhood, who we haven't seen for a couple of seasons. It's been a while. Thoros of Mir, Beric Dondarrion. We saw them do the trial by combat, and he defeated. Uh, Beric Dondarrion, who of course then was brought back to life by the same means. We I looked at this scene that they were in. I think the last scene they were in uh, when they brought back Jon Snow, because mm-hmm. I wanted to look at the parallels there, because they're very much it's a red priest who's lost their faith, um, but because they um, they they ask, please basically save this person. Um, the, he brought back Beric Dondarrion, and of course uh, the Red Woman brought back Jon Snow. So, uh, but they're back now, and they're hanging these three guys including the guy in the yellow cloak. Uh, and at the time when they said they were with the Brotherhood last week, I was like, well, you know, that's, they're, that's they're, Thoros and Beric Dondarrion. They're, but kind they're of nominally the good guys. Exactly. They're like the rebels out in the kind of getting the peasants to rebel. Um, and here they are. They're, they're hanging them because they used to be part of their group, but they're, but they're awful people who just go around killing people. So they're, they're going to punish them. And, and, uh, the, specifically the, for killing the people that, that Sandor Clegane was hanging out with. Exactly. So they, for interest, their, their interests are aligned, perhaps yeah. temporarily, but. So he wants to kill those guys, but they're, they're like, well, okay, how about one? And he's like, how about two? He's like, all right, well, then I'm going to cut off their heads. And they're like, no, how about their hands? No, you can, <laughs> you can kick the box out from under them and they'll hang. And he's like all right i'll yeah. do it <laughs> i sold uh-huh. sold to the scarface man well i kind of feel like the first guy he kicks out the box and the guy like drops maybe broke his neck and the, and the second guy and the second guy he's well. like i'm gonna be a little more gentle with this guy just gonna what's the worst i could do to this guy also then he takes his boots yeah <laughs> just for a daddy insult to injury i kind of let that was a, you know there was a lot of humor in this episode i liked the uh, dark humor i'll grant you it's sure. game of thrones but like he takes the dead man's boots while he's still hanging there um and uh, and then looks up and says, "Got anything to eat?" He's yeah. like, "He's moved on. He's done his he's, job." He's, yeah. And, well, and and so that is that leads us into a little campfire scene where they sort of try to recruit him. Basically, yeah. Have you heard the good news about the red about the red god? You see this guy? You killed him. He came back. Good stuff. Yeah, that's uh, right. They, the word hasn't reached them yet about what's happened. Uh, they should have to some, Snow. some pamphlets printed up, perhaps. But, but they did. They do send a message that's very much like the message that Ian McShane gave last week, which is, "It's not too late." Although I do, I, I did like. Uh, uh, the hound says, uh, lots of horrible things get done for something larger than ourselves, right? He's mm-hmm. like, be part of something larger. And he's like, yeah, I don't know about that. But they, they do, they do counsel him that it's, it's not too late, which is very much what Ian McShane was well, saying. Well, and to also him. that they point out to him that, you know, he can't, I think they make an argument that he can't really escape his intrinsic nature, you know, not necessarily his past. Right. You know, he can, might be able to redeem himself, but the idea that he is, he was born to be a fighter. That he is, as right. we see in the opening scene, clearly very talented at this. Yes, the, the Clegane brothers, one might say, have a talent for for, for murder. Kill, for murder, yeah. And but, they and they say, you know, how did that work out when you stopped being a killer? Right, and it didn't not the well. The answer was the fight came to you yeah. instead of you going to the fight. So perhaps instead you should just embrace that, except turn it towards a a better end, perhaps. Yeah, where do you think he's going, though? I. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because it seems very late in the game to bring the Brotherhood back in without having an idea of them, you know, past this point. Like, it would seem odd if we were just like, oh, well, it was really great to see them again. Sandor Clegane decides to go off and do something else. Like, well, why did we see these guys? So I kind of feel like he might be 
hanging out with them through the end of the season, perhaps, until something... They're talking up the the battle, you know, from the creatures. I mean, they're basically saying, look, we're going to go, essentially, I don't even know if they know they're going to go north and fight the White Walkers, but clearly, that's what they're shaping up for. They're like, there's a bigger picture here. They've got that message down. And so, I, I don't know what else is left for him at this point. He seems to have left behind everything, especially, you know... His last, his last bit, you know, with the, you know, with Arya before she, he's left for dead. You right. know, it's kind of like he hit the end of the road there. And so, mm-hmm. where else really is there to go? He hates his brother, and his they, brother is they asked also kind of dead. Like, yeah, yeah they, they asked him, uh, you know, where you have any, you don't have any friends. Do you have who are your friends? And it's like he's, yeah, he doesn't have anybody. Yeah, he, he kind of had those, you know, that community with that, that yeah. Habitat for Humanity's work that he <laughs> was doing. Right. Yep. Um, but after that, it seems like it why not stay here really because he doesn't have anywhere else it's either that or just go off on his own and do more stuff and i kind of feel like again setting up the threads of of the brotherhood without banners and and trying to be like well they've clearly got a part to play and so i think that that sandor clegane has his lot is thrown in with them for the for the time being at least right well it'll be interesting to see um where that where that one I, goes. I love Rory Murray McCann, by the way. He's I think so great. He is great in the show. I'm super happy when he was revealed to not be dead last mm-hmm. week because I just he's a delight. He's one of many uh, folks they've brought back. I think this season who I really enjoy. Well, and I believe I believe where he where they've taken the hound that he sure. he is he has been brought to the he, the lowest point. I mean, mm-hmm. he asked he asked uh, Arya to kill him. He really did want to die. Um, and then he's had his the the people who saved him were all destroyed, and it's like he's he's reengaged as a killer, but now he's like a righteous killer, right? And that's really interesting that that uh, he's trying to like they say they say to him something about like you can make you can do more good than than the terrible things right, you, you can do. outweigh essentially all the yeah. bad stuff you've already done, and yeah. I think I think that's you know redemption arcs. I like redemption arcs. I'm a, I'm a fan, so. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where he goes from here on out, but I think that it will be, um, I think he'll get dragooned into this larger story here. It's gotta be. I mean, especially if he's hanging out with Red Priest, it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about King's Landing okay. next. I'm just uh, zipping around here. So, so uh, Cersei gets uh, asked to uh, talk to the Faith mil- Militant uh, in, in passive voice by the, by the, uh, the maester who is uh and Qui- she Quiburn? Yeah, Quiburn. Yeah. yeah, and he and he's uh she calls him on his passive voice and yeah. it's like yeah the king, you know, let them in. So that's it. And they they say we want to the the high septon wants to see you, the sparrow wants to see you in the in the sept of Baylor and she's like nope, not going to do it and they say it wasn't a request. We're going to take you there and uh and you know and if not, there'll be violence. And and she says, "I choose violence." Great, great Lena Headey de- delivery. On. Oh, so I good. choose violence. Yes. So great. She's great. I love. And her. she's got. She thinks she's got it all worked out. So she commands the mountain in his suit of armor, and they like smack his suit of armor, and he just kind of looks down at him, and he grabs the guy. And, <laughs> he just literally rips and his rips head his head off. off. Yeah. Wow. There's yeah. a little spiny action happening there as it flies off to the side, and all of the other uh, all of the other <laughs> Faith Militant guys are, are like, "Oh, um, see you later. We'll be I back." For, I forgot we have a pressing appointment somewhere yeah. that it's not here. And she smiles. <laughs> she gives this smile that is just the coldest smile. It's amazing. I also really enjoyed the performance of the Lancel, who oh, yeah. <laughs> his eyes on that is just like watching. <laughs> 
okay yeah. did not see that coming yeah that guy is a bad guy bad dude they they mm. thought they could uh defeat the the the, the mountain he's the, but no. he's the baddest zombie guy, mountain baddest guy in town yeah yeah so but in the in the, in a later scene, she gets called in to the throne room and does does one of those "Why wasn't I informed?" kind of things. That's never good. If you have to ask why you weren't informed about something, let me tell you, that's yeah, not going to go it's, well. For it's you. not. It's not good. It's not a good sign. There's a royal announcement. You need to go in the gallery with the other ladies of the court to hear the announcement. You, you don't get to be by your son. And what what uh, what he announces, what uh, Good King Tommen announces, is the trial date has been set for both Loras and Circe. It will be the first day of whatever festival presumably soon and most importantly i've decided that trial by combat is going to be forbidden because it's just a it's barbaric it's a barbaric <laughs> practice and it's that's a huge blow to cersei because her whole plan is that she's got an unbeatable champion to get her out of her yeah, jam and the answer is she played that card a little too early yeah i got that sense right that that she revealed his kind of unbeatable Mortal Kombat, rip your spine <laughs> out. Fatality, yeah, yeah. Um, a little too soon. Yeah, I think that was a that was a rare misstep for her. Although she's had a few she's more in a, the more recent yeah. years. Um, I think and she's not as good a, a strategic thinker as she thinks she is. Right. Well, and so in this case, she's getting outplayed. She's getting outflanked a little bit. She's got the high spare on one side of her. She's got Marjorie kind of in the wings. We didn't see this week, but who is clearly pushed Toman towards the faith just to sort of protect like cover cover their ass basically yeah. right and say like okay we're gonna on the face of it at least comply Toman, i think for his part he's not he's he's not a smart kid I no mean, he's, he's not he's he's been he's, he's been, a good kid he's but been he's suckered he's been suckered by the words of the high sparrow right i think and i think he's been suckered by them because marjorie decided it was within her interest to push him in that direction. Right. And, 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 and he wanted to fight. save her to begin right, with. Right, exactly. And so like to sort of say, okay, we're playing this game right now because it's it's the only move we have. The only move we have is to look like we've totally accepted it. And I think Toman, for his part, is unaware that there's like another, that there's a whole other game going on oh, here. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, Marjorie still has, there's no love lost between Marjorie and Cersei. So taking her out of the equation still benefits her for the moment. But the question is, again, once again, if she's sort of playing with something she can't control. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes, too, because it's uh, I keep saying that, but we're getting toward the end of the season. It's like what 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 comes next? Well, but boy, Cersei is in a difficult position. And I wonder what Marjorie, whether Marjorie is just sort of uh, uh, playing for time or whether she really does have a, a plan for a, a kind of an end game here. Well, she sent her grandmother home, I think, again, for there was a reason. You know, I think in the Rose, clearly, as I'm sure you talked about sure. last week, signified like, okay, everything's cool. I'm still yeah, like, I'm still on board. House. Yeah, I, I wonder whether it's something like destructive um, to to King's Landing or like whether... got a whole army down there. Maybe yeah. that's useful. Or, or whether it is uh, more that there's a plan to get rid of the high sparrow and yes. if the high sparrow is gone what happens to the right. faith militant are they easier to pick off yeah. at that point so is it a battle or assassination right so uh, so that I, I think those are those are good uh good questions we also ask. have a tantalizing bit of a conversation between cersei and kyburn yeah about some rumor that he's been instructed to check out and his little birds have said it's not only true but it's much more it's, yeah it's not just a rumor it's much more where do you think that's going 
like what do you think that's in reference to? Is this something we've seen? Initially, I thought it was. I thought it was, uh, and it turned out I think it's not this, but I thought it was something of like, I, I've got a way to get you out of here, kind mm. of thing. Mm. But now I'm wondering if I mean we already know whether it's this again or not. We already know like they did weird stuff in King's Landing because. Tyrion knew that they could get the uh, the magic fire stuff mm-hmm. to use in the Blackwater, right? right? Is there more of that? Could there be a? Could they blow up the Sept of Baelor with that stuff, or do or blow up the the Red Keep, or do something like uh, completely radical in order to change what's going on here? Um, or is it inform? You know, I, I, so that's one thing. And then it's, or is it information? Is there some about, secret about about the High Sparrow and who he really is that could be damaging one. to him? Yeah, or some unforeseen ally, perhaps that they could count on from sort of outside. I wondered if maybe it has something to do with Daenerys and the dragons being somewhere. I don't know. It seems a yeah. little far flung, but like there's there's a lot of possibilities and not. It's very vague. Yeah. And that's the first I think we've heard of it. I don't, yeah, even I don't recall there being a scene where she's like, go check this out. No, no. So I think that's, uh, I, I, uh, it's tantalizing that there's some, so, so what we're left with there is that uh, maybe Cersei has another one last card to play right. after, even though she's lost her, uh, her, her ace in the hole as the producers, I think called him the, uh, with the mountain. Yeah. So I think we'll see how she decides to get out probably in the next, you know, maybe in the finale, like we'll see what that, what that is and whether it helps her out. All right. Uh, over at river run, the siege continues. Nothing more exciting than a siege mm-hmm. as we know. Um, we, we, uh, the, the, some of the funniest things in this episode are, are set at River Run. Pod and Brienne, um, look down at, uh, every, every episode of, uh, that Pod is in is a podcast, isn't it? It's true. Um, Pod, Pod says it looks like a siege <laughs> and Brienne gets to give him that boy. You're a master tactician, Pod. Good God, job. I really like Patrick Payne. So I'm great. so good. And like, as we see shortly thereafter, when he finds himself in a headlock from good old it's Braun. It's gotta be Braun, right? I mean, right. the moment that that happened, I was like, oh, Oh no, it's Pod and Braun again. Braun's gonna give him a noogie, basically. Yeah. And so Braun gets to say, I really thought you'd be dead by now. Yeah. <laughs> um and I really God, I love Braun. I love so good. Jerome Flynn, who is also in um Ripper Street, which I quite like. Uh here just he gets to just sort of cut loose because I think Braun is such a fun character. He just says whatever like he's thinking. My, my note my notes say Braun says things we all want to say or things we never want to say. Yeah. <laughs> Speculates much about what Cersei and Jamie are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Who who wants who wants to have sex with uh with Jamie? Who wants to have sex with Brienne? Do they want to have sex with each other? Look at the way she looks at him, look at the way he looks at everyone. Well, it's all the women look at him. Him, it's really annoying the way yeah. that they <laughs> it's it's amazing just amazing stuff and uh and also he does the he does that little uh hey look down there yeah. whack <laughs> your shoes on, he literally said not to say your shoes untied but he basically gets yeah. him to do your and shoes he says untied. everyone wants to hit a squire everyone wants to hit a squire <laughs> Uh, I I really enjoy him. I'm glad he's also been back this season yeah. since we've all, we haven't got that much uh, from him otherwise. And yeah, he's he's just again, like you said, really well needed humor in this episode from him. And I I really dig the um, the Jamie Brienne relationship. I've always really liked mm-hmm. it in the books as well uh, because I think it's complicated, right? Because later on, not to jump too much, 
But later on, when Jamie's making his sort of convincing speech to Edmure Tully, right. and he's saying, like, I don't care about anybody but Cersei. And what we learn kind of as we watch this unfold is that's kind of not true, right? Right. Like, Brienne, regardless of whether or not they're necessarily uh, in love with one another or whatever, they are clearly friends, and they are clearly have a mutual respect for one another. Right. And not a lot of people have, a, like... Res- Any respect for, for Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Yeah, they I have mean, fear, maybe, but they yep. have very little res- respect. I mean, for especially him. now that he is no longer uh, like an actual physical threat. Right. Like he's kind of just a weird, pitied, like disgust case. So yeah. he's always going to be the Kingslayer. He's exactly. always going to be the rumors of him and his sister. And now he doesn't have a hand. Yep. And so, like, there's basically nothing redemptive left about him, and yet Brienne still believes that there is, uh, he has honor, yeah. and he's got a code. Well, I felt like in that scene, so, I mean, first off, we see we see her talk and, uh, to Jamie and say, basically, I, I let me take the rebels away, and you get the castle, and I get, I get, it turns out, in hindsight, this is the thing they should have done, yep. but, but it doesn't happen. Um, and she tries to give him his sword, and he says, "It's yours. It will always be yours." Which is an it's a nice it's a, it's a really nice moment. Uh, and we and we talk about his honor, um, you know, and and her honor, like from her perspective when she talks to the blackfish, she's like the thing that that shuts him up essentially, and and he the blackfish doesn't want to take the deal uh, because he he didn't storm that castle just to leave it. He, right. He, he wants to stay there. But she does say, look, Jamie Lannister made a deal with Catelyn Stark. Uh, I, you know, I, I am supposed to protect Sansa. I will do that till the day I die. And there's that moment of like, okay, I get it. I get the connection here. I think he believes it. I think he yeah, believes that there is some level of honor and, and, and truth in his story. When Jamie talks to Edmure, we, it, it's fascinating because Edmure's like, you're evil. How do you live with yourself? Yeah, exactly. And Jamie. Ex- he really explains how he lives with himself, which is he's living by a code. It's just not a code that anybody else seems to have. And he, yeah. d- but he does have honor, uh, you know, of a sort. And it is about about uh, about Cersei. And he says the things we do for love, but th- but the fact that he sees Brienne and Pod going down the river and just gives gives him a wave at the end well, of this segment. I love I love that entire both that exchange and the earlier exchange where Brienne says, you know. If you have to storm the castle while I'm in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll have know, to fight. We'll have to fight. And it's, you know what it is, is it's the, and I love these setups when you have these two characters who are clearly on opposing sides and you understand exactly what both of them are going for. It's, it's civil war, basically, right? It's, sure. it's, it's Captain America versus Iron Man. Like you, you got, you got them sitting there like they each kind of have their points. They don't want to fight because they're friends, but they realize this is, it might come down to it. You seem a nice fellow. I hate to kill you. <laughs> You seem a nice fellow. I hate to be killed. <laughs> yeah. I hate to die. I hate to die. Um, it, but it is it is like that. And he's like, yeah, well, that would be, you know, let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. And then there's that also, again, a, a great little bit, a little, just a great little bit of acting from, uh, sadly, James Lannister, whose name I can never pronounce, Nikolai, Nikolai Kostervaldo, yeah. uh, who he, he kind of looks back. Like, he sees them going down the river, his eyes kind of widen, and he kind of looks around like, is there anybody else here? Like, yeah. should I be telling someone? And then he's like, you know, peace. Wave. Yeah, see you later. Like, you know, I respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she gives them the little, the little wave. 
Uh, and that's after uh, we, the, the, sadly, the blackfish who dies off screen. Yes. Um, but we do get a good, uh, I do like his exit line. I haven't been a sword fight for years. Probably going to make a damn fool of myself. Yep. I would have liked to hear that, like, he, well, we, we had to kill him because he killed, like, 20 of our guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually like that. Like, we, you know, we found the blackfish and Jamie's like, great, bring him here. And he's like, mm, he's dead. Okay. Are you sure? Bring him here. Bring yeah. Bring him here. Uh, but we do get, uh, so the Edmure Jamie thing w- was interesting. Um, I love this is this is the equivalent in some ways of Elena with Cersei mm-hmm. where it is telling it is somebody who just doesn't care but to tell the truth mm-hmm. to uh one of the Lannisters and with Edmure it's you know right down to his I give you my word he's like oh good I have your word right he's just like I don't care um do you imagine yourself a decent person he says he's evil he, and, and when Jamie says well I'll, I'll let the gods sort that out he basically says that's really convenient you know and, and that's about that's about right like if you if you want to believe that there's no morality you can say the gods will sort it out and it let, right. gives you the carte blanche to do whatever you want and that's you know you you know, you could argue that that's that's what he's doing here, but instead, Jamie presses him. He's like, "You will listen to me because you're my prisoner. You're going to have to listen to me. Right. Let me tell you a story about your sister and my sister and how they're they're you know alike in their love for their children, which is true. It is entirely accurate." And then he brings down the hammer, which is... I'll uh, kill everyone in your family. I'll, I'll kill your son, and I'll kill all the Tullys if I have to. Well, I, like, the, and so... I'm not sure why he cares about his son, who is from the the the, uh, uh, the Frey girl that he was paired with as part of a scheme to create the Red Wedding. Because he's still a legitimate heir. And I guess. people have that weird, you know, the people have that weird attachment to their children. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's never seen, and yeah. it's one of the Freys, so they but betrayed his family. Um, but yeah, okay. I think she, well, I think she was an innocent in that. She was a, a dupe. Yeah, I suppose. But I think it's also, it's the point where he realizes, and I, and I don't believe that Jamie is bluffing, right? I, oh, Jamie I is totally prepared to carry through on all of that. No, he and, needs to he needs to win this and then go back to try and help and protect his sister who's in trouble. And he, so Edmure realizes, I think, you know, essentially, it's kind of ironic because he sort of gets his backbone in realizing that the only thing for them to do is to surrender. Yeah. Like, and that's a weird situation to be in when it's like, get yes, well, I got the respect I finally wanted as the Lord of River Run, and the first thing I have to do is surrender it. But right. it's the only way to save all of those people. That's right. The in the end, all of the Tullys and the Tully bannermen in the in the in the army and in the siege, everybody but the Blackfish lives right by doing this and um and he's the lord of river run right so yeah. although he's really not because it's been, ceded to it's the been phrase, given to yeah. the phrase which is, so is we get the nice shot of really the, ban- awful. the lannister and Frey banners coming down in the castle yeah. as the troops march in yeah I, I also uh the other thing just because it's always nice to to stick it to the phrase is the 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 one, one of the phrase basically says to jamie well if this doesn't work we lost our only bargaining chip which first off you guys have misbargained with this yeah, chip they're, they're so many times cut his throat like every day <laughs> We, we're gonna hang him or kill him in or stab him something no, really really we are um and uh and then of course immediately the gates come down and it's like wah, wah. hey look phrase jamie knows what he's doing i i yeah <laughs> yeah this you're that guy's out of a job yeah uh, i also want to on a production design note i really like um i really like jamie's armor which has kind of a samurai thing going on oh. which i think is just a really cool design like i you know there's a lot of the in he edmure makes fun of it at one point his golden armor and stuff like that but it looks very i like they've done a fantastic job this season with having all the different 
armies look very different. Yeah. So the Tullys all have like the fish scales male, and then you've got like the um, some of the guys in the like wilding army. They have like oyster shells. Yeah, and then a lot of leather. Right, a lot of leather, and the and the Ironborn, you know, all have their own armor, and it looks mm-hmm. they do a really nice job of making these all very distinct because it look, could look like it just a bunch of people in plate mail. Yeah, exactly. They all look the same, and that that would be a problem, right? Because then you're like, I don't even know what right. I'm seeing here. Whenever there's a, a whereas battle. the Lannisters have that kind of like he's got this really cool, almost like banded mail, and like it does have a kind of a samurai vibe to it, yeah. which I I dig. It's shiny. It's the most expensive. It's the hey. Lannisters. Uh, let's go to Marine. Yeah, across the across the uh, the narrow sea to Marine and into Slaver's Bay. Um, so we see the Red Priestesses. They're talking up, uh, talking Daenerys. up everything that is going on with you know Daenerys and and Tyrion and Varys. And they're like, "Oh, this is good. Everything looks good. The city is active again." Uh, they uh, although um, Varys warns Tyrion that that they that they made up packed with fanatics and that can be dangerous but he said it worked yeah <laughs> Tyrion's just that's looking for results of, that's always one of the good the good yeah well I mean it's fine more comedy works. from Tyrion in this episode too but you know you kind of come to expect that but then we get something this is also a thing that we hadn't really heard that happened yes. off screen which is Varys is going to be going off on this this expedition of yours well and so he says we need friends in Westeros and I believe he also and we need ships. ships so the logical conclusion would be like the Ironborn. Yeah, I I think he's going to see uh, Euros. To no, I I think I think he's going to see uh um what's it? What's her name? Um, Yara. Yeah, Yara. The the sister, Theon sister. Yeah, and Yara, Yara and Theon, well, whose ships are in. They said the Ironborn ships are in. Uh, the rumor was in Slaver's Bay, uh, and we saw right. them in Volantis, but they were just there for the night with all the whores, and right, then they right, were going right. to move on to find Daenerys. So I wonder if that's where Varys is going, is that he's going to go out to the Ironborn and see what's up, or if he's doing a whole other thing right. involving ships and Westeros, but there's like ships from Westeros right. who want to see Daenerys right there, right now. Yeah, and so I think that that's, that seems like the obvious thing. I mean, it's obvious for the reason that they, they set out to go see Daenerys. Right. Um, they have ships. She needs ships. She's got a bunch of horses and horse lords that she's promised to put on ships. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like match made in heaven. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, tender moment too, between Varys they, they and, say, uh, right. Tyrion. They say, they say goodbye. Um, and, uh, how will I know if this, uh, if this worked or whatever? And Varys is like, well, if uh, you know, if it doesn't work, you won't see me again. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Uh, but, uh, he says, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk the rest of the way on my own because I don't want to be accompanied by the most famous dwarf in the city, to which Tyrion says, the most famous dwarf in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. Well Bravo. played. That's I, what it says on his business card. I thought he was going to go the other way and be self-deprecating and say something like, uh, well, no, there's a guy who, who like is on the, has the show with the pig. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's also pretty well known, yeah. but no, it's true. It's Tyrion Lannister. Everybody knows who he is. In fact, he's referenced in the uh, in the play within the play uh, again, mm. uh, which is as as the imp. So anyway, uh, the next scene, he is pouring drinks for Grey Worm and Masande. This is it becomes very serious at the end, but for the whole run of this, it's a uh, it's a hilarious comedy scene where he's really trying to drink, get them to drink. We've seen it before where he's trying to to have them be a little less serious because he's used to be surrounding by surrounded by people who are 
who are are kind of a little more jovial and con- convivial like he is and they uh and they aren't so this time he says anyone not drinking to the queen anyone not drinking is disrespecting the queen and he points out quite rightly the gray worm is like unsullied don't drink who did that who told you that the masters come yeah. on and miss andy says it makes me feel funny and he says that's, that's how you know it's working that's the idea <laughs> And so he, they, they, he takes a sip and doesn't like Grey Worm does, but Masande enjoys the wine and keeps drinking it. Um, and uh, he tells a story Tyrion does about dreaming that he's going to have his own vineyard. And it's mm-hmm. like he's going to get the imp wine and all his friends are going to drink the imp wine. Um, he's looking forward to his retirement. Yeah. Yeah. But before then, he wants to do some jokes. <laughs> jokes. jokes. <laughs> jokes and the air quotes around I, the jokes i really enjoyed this scene it's open mic night again it's really well done because he tries to get gray worm to tell a joke everyone's like i don't know any jokes and yeah he tries to get i've never heard a joke and saying tell a joke and she's like uh, i don't i don't know any jokes and he's like all right i'll tell you a joke and he tells a, a, a rip off of essentially what is an old joke about, a scottish joke yeah three lords walk into a tavern the wine and the fly mm-hmm. drinks <laughs> spit it out yeah uh, that was funnier if you're from westeros <laughs> um <laughs> And then they try to explain what a joke is to Grey to Grey Worm, and Masande tells a joke, and <laughs> I just really love that. That is the worst joke I've ever heard. Says Grey Worm. Yeah, that's about a... the shipwrecked translators. And they said, "But wait, you you said you'd never heard a joke." He said, "Ah, I hear many jokes. I make jokes. Oh, <laughs> I'm a soldier. Of course, the soldier knows jokes. Ah, uh, that was good. That was and good. The, and then the the masters have a master whole fleet shield. of ships that start firing on the city, and which are they're invading." Joke. Not or a really bad one. So much for the joking. Now Grey Worm's glad he didn't drink that wine. Mm. Um, and then we come back later, and they're basically like firebombing Marine from the from the ships that are that are in the harbor. Um, uh, the Grey Worm talks Tyrion down to explain that he's the military expert and not Tyrion. So don't tell us what to do. You got it. Your words got us into this, but I'm going to make the military decisions here. We have to fight at the pyramid. Um, this is the place that's defensible. But all of a sudden, there's like. Uh, th- there's like sounds from above and near them, and Santa? it's like, and it's like, oh no, prancing and pawing. What, and are, what are they? What are they doing? This is. I thought we could defend the pyramid, but now, and they open up the doors, and it turns out, she. You might say Daenerys storms in. Yes, <laughs> Daenerys appears, and in the distance we see her uh, dragon, uh, who dropped her off. And he's headed for who knows Drag- where. Dragon Uber yeah. is the best Uber. Yeah. Although you got to watch out for the surge price. The, bla- the Black Dragon Uber is yeah. the nicest and most spacious of all the Dragon <laughs> Ubers. Yeah. It's, uh, so she's I'm, back. I'm guessing those ships aren't going to last long against, uh, you know, anywhere between one and three dragons. <laughs> I would think, I would think not. And maybe some Ironborn too. Who knows? True. But, uh, Yeah. She's back, so that that's going to be thank uh, thank God. Is that's going to be I action, action. Finally, finally, she's like, back. We've been waiting for this for a whole season, season basically. Yeah. And I don't know. Again, not to go too much into the books, but like I feel like in the books she's still <laughs> wandering around in the books. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's this is there are little. Th- things including the last segment that we're gonna we're about to get to where i still feel like the influence of the books is we've been trying to tell this story that uh is getting people back where they were Mm -hmm. but we've kind of put them on hold put them on a little spin cycle um until we need them again and daenerys is one of those where i was so frustrated in that in that last uh book that's been published so far where they where she ends up out in the wilderness because 
it's so frustrating. Like, just but, take her out of the action, right? Like, yeah. And now we're gonna have to watch her come all the way back, and it's yeah. like, okay, I guess that's a story, but it, it doesn't. You're just you're just putting her on hold. Um, but she's back now. And so at least this good. one, we know she's also presumably she's got the Dothraki with her somewhere. So they're she's probably got an coming, army. Right. right? She's got an army coming with her too, which yeah. is you know. And a, a dragon that she can ride around, at least one, and maybe they will uh, they will take care of those other dragons, too. So, that's Three all dragons good. are better than one. I think so. Uh, okay, last block is all about Bravos. Bravos. So, we get to see a little more of the play within a play, which I love. We get the whole uh, sort of like uh, uh, lament from uh, Cersei of the death of poor innocent young king joffrey never never heard a fly i just love i i love i said while we were watching it i love the play within a play i've loved it i i feel like i could watch that like 10 times because it's the authors of the show commenting on the show while also commenting on like the idea of like public perception of the events of the show mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Well, there's not a dry eye in the house when she's given this speech. Yeah. And, of course, we saw that firsthand and know that it was nothing like nothing that. Nothing like that. And and they they very clearly blame Sansa and Tyrion for mm-hmm. the death. So that's bad PR for Sansa and Tyrion. Sure. Yeah, but it makes a great story. And, and that's really what matters here. Yeah, and, so, and Lady Crane is very expressive uh, as uh, the grieving uh, Cersei. A, a fantastic performance from Essie Davis, who uh, some might better know as uh, Franny Fisher from the Ms. Uh, Ms. Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Hmm. She is great in that, and she is excellent here as well. Good knowledge. Um, I, I really li- I really like it. I watched like three seasons of that show. So <laughs> as soon as she came on the first time, I was like, it's Friday Fisher. Um, so she's really she's really great. And, and of course, and, and she gets a, she finds Arya. One of the speculations people had last week is maybe she would find the acting troupe. Because we had seen them before, and she had done a kind of good deed right. for Lady Crane. It's the only safe place, perhaps. Exactly. That she could go. So, uh, so indeed, she finds Arya bloodied in her uh, dressing room, essentially dressing area, um, and she uh, takes her back to her, uh, you know, room that she's staying in. I guess because they do travel around, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and sews her up and says, "I'm a jealous woman. I've always liked bad men. I cut them and then I have to sew them up again." Which is again, if you've watched any of Miss Fisher, is very much in line with that character. <laughs> That's good. I, I like that was that was really funny stuff. That that she's like, I, I I'm good at sewing up people because I I stab them yeah. and then I I feel bad and I sew them up. And then she also says, so she, she's not a saint here. This lady, she's a good actress, but she also explains that the uh, the woman who is trying to get her killed. Um, will have hard time finding work as an actress after what I did to her face, she yeah. said. So, ouch. Brutal. But, you know, she did the hire act- the faceless men to kill her. So. The acting game is a serious one. Uh, and then they have a little moment of uh, of contemplation that I really I really liked because I've had this thought too, and I, I've never heard it expressed in Game of Thrones by anyone, which is Essos is east and Westeros is west. What's west of Westeros? Mm. And maybe the end of the world, but that's sort of uh, Arya kind of ponders like maybe that's where i need to to run to is right. off the map yep and see what what there is that's there because yeah. uh, then lady crane invites her to join the acting troupe right and go to pentos and she <laughs> aria demurs and I says learn all the lines i can't learn all the lines uh which but like you know she does clearly have a talent and we've talked about this a little bit before from the um 
you know, from the... But it's asking her to be like a faceless man, Exactly. Right? Yes. It's the same sort of thing that she's already kind of fleeing. Not herself. And being, that is... Being someone else. And that's the fundamental issue here. So... Yes, she's... she's de- this is the internal debate in Arya. Are you no one or are you Arya Stark of Winterfell? And uh, she's trying to be one. And uh, ultimately in this episode, we learn she... Fi- or she finally learns, because we've known, I think, for a while now, that she needs to embrace who she is. She needs to not run away with the actors... Hmm. And uh, and uh, she can't be one of the faceless men either because she's not no one. She's someone. No one, the name of the episode, by the way. <gasps> there it is. Um, so we have Lady Crane who is, you know, puts her to sleep with the milk of the poppy. Right. Arya wakes up later. Lady Crane is uh, getting like a, a bottle of something, maybe even the milk of the poppy off of, a, off of a high shelf. But she's startled by a noise. There's a face in the doorway. Arya wakes up and finds that she's been killed. By kind of brutally, <laughs> brutally by the uh, by the waif, hmm. who we call her the waif, but she has no name. Um, and the waif basically says, "Hey, when the many-faced god has promised a name, we have to deliver it." She could have died much more uh, pleasantly with the poison, and instead, I've murdered her brutally because yeah. of you. Well, and a nice subtle bit there too, because when she comes in, of course, she is wearing someone else's yes. face. Uh, which is a little disconcerting, but also as the same when she stabbed Arya last week and was wearing the sort of the crone's face. Yes, um, and we get what what ends up being kind of a fun action sequence where yeah. Arya is just like, "All right, first of all, jumping out a window." Yeah, <laughs> which is the smart thing to do. Uh, as I remarked, it, we watched that. Like, uh, how does she not break her legs? That's a yeah, pretty a couple, big jump. A couple of times, I think I, I keep expecting her to have broken her legs, but I guess she's just really good at this. And she's stuff. got like it's an her open, dance training. She's got an open wound too. Like, yeah, she does. She's got a chest but wound. A, a great sequence where we have essentially. I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a cross either between the Terminator, you know, chasing her down. I definitely felt Terminator it's because she's so Terminator because vibes. she's so impassive. impassive. Yeah. And just like she'll yeah. do the thing where she'll do like the head turn, like oh, yeah. like that way. But it's also a little bit of the, uh, it's a little bit of the Pepe Le Pew, like you know the 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 cat that's always trying to get away and like scrambling madly. And yeah. Pepe Le Pew's just like, yep, I'm just gonna kind of walk like a little. <laughs> yeah, well, and at one point there's a there's a like a guy working with a cart, and Arya <laughs> slides under it, and she jumps over it, and I I shouted fruit cart because you know famously in a lot of, of movie chases there's a fruit cart mm-hmm. that gets in the way, and like a car gets plot plot into a fruit cart. I also was looking for the uh, workmen carrying the pane of glass across, <laughs> although we didn't see that. But after I shouted fruit cart in the next scene, there is a market with a lot of fruit, and, and she jumps high off. Again, amazing she doesn't break her leg, but it's TV, so she doesn't. And she f- rolls, and then she rolls through all the fruit. Which was actually a really nice shot. A beautiful shot. Over from above. Head, yeah. And then you get the sprinkle of the color from all the fruit yeah. as it's knocked out of and the basket. And kind of rolling down the yeah, thing. That was, was a, a really, that was a really, really beautiful shot. Um, like that. A lot. And so she's bleeding pretty bad by the time she gets to the bottom there. And, and, she, and she thinks she sort of gets away down down a side alley and there's that great again like with the uh like with the hound mm-hmm. coming in from the background she's she's going down and you see the waif jumping on the roof she and runs down. across like a yeah. roof or a bridge there and then jumps down and of course she's just plowing through everybody and Arya's is trying to get away and so she does the only thing she can think to do which is essentially lead her into a trap yeah and so she's going to where she's kept her sword uh, where she hid her sword away, 
Um, and she she puts the blood on the outside of the door, and it looks like she's kind of like just going there. But you and I both pegged to that immediately that you know she's leading her there. This yep. is her last. She's going to make her last stand in a place where she's got a little bit of home field advantage. She's exactly. got her sword, and there's the one candle, and it's a dark room, and the waif closes the door, and what does she do? She cuts off the candle. So that they, the odds are more even. They're gonna fight in the dark, right? And not only that, but I mean, the the callback I sort of thought of there was, well, she spent a lot of time blind and learning to that's fight right. while blind. That's right. And that's a recently, big, yeah. So that's potentially something in her favor. Plus, she's got, she does still have her her training, her 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 dancing training, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's a that's a plus in her favor as well. Um, and then. <laughs> I'm still impressed that with the gaping wound, I assumed that she might be like playing possum a little bit and like you know over yeah, over you know overacting the to lure to her. lure her in exactly yeah. false mm-hmm. sense of confidence all that um, and it's it's unclear a little bit because in the next scene like she basically first of all uh, like cuts off <laughs> cuts off the wave's face yes and brings it all Saw the way that back coming. to the temple yeah. Uh, and you know, like is is standing there to talk to uh, to Jake and uh, you know that's a long way to go when you still got a gaping stomach wound, I guess. But so yeah, I, it's unclear how badly hurt she is. Yeah, maybe maybe not so much. Um, but a a nice scene between the two of them where he says, Ah, you know, you've finally done it. You've given us a like there had to, we learned in the pre- in the past episode that if you can't give them the the god the name that they've asked for you need someone else needs to die right and so in this case the waif dies instead of Arya. yeah and so we get this sort of figured that would happen again we, i think we were all pretty confident but, Arya but the face on the murdered. wall is pretty cool right because yep. that's hard that's hardcore that's her that's her, that's the um she could just leave at that point but it's like no no i'm gonna turn in my resignation letter yeah in person and it's a face <laughs> and it's on the it's written on the back of her face <laughs> usually that kind of resignation number they call the cops but. yeah yeah um and she says you told you told her to kill me but there you but uh, there you are you and know he, and he says finally a girl is no one and yes. she thinks about it a little bit and says no a girl is Arya stark of winterfell and i'm going home yeah and uh he kind of. I was surprised. He gives her a nod. He gives her like the little respect, you yeah. know, like and I, and I kind of was surprised. It's about her that. choice. Yeah, and, and but in some ways, it signaled to me a fundamental misreading because, well, well, of of uh, him, Jake, and of her because, well, she, yes, she murdered the waif and finally beat her in combat, and that's a sort of you know rite of passage, as it were. She's not really like it's pretty clear from all of this that she's never really been great at the whole subsuming her own personality yeah, sure. thing. So is she really he says finally you're no one. I didn't quite buy that cuz it's not, you know, you got the skills well, you just maybe. Kill, you just kill if you kill someone you get their job at, at the house of black and white. I think that's what happens. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Oh man, promotions so, really a pain. There. Yeah, it's 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 tough. No, you're right. I I think it's a good question about was the was the plan was the plan to see? I mean, in the end, I, I think they generally—it's like you either you either make it or you wash out, and and essentially you die. And with her, she's different. She's not their usual recruit. I think he saw something interesting in her. Obviously, back in Westeros, um, I, I don't know. I mean, was this just the education? I mean, she had to. It's almost like she had to go through this to realize that she is who she is and she has a purpose because she was kind of rootless and drifting a little bit in back in Westeros 
and now she seems to be um she knows she knows she can't run and she she can't go off west of Westeros. She needs to go home. But my that's my question is, did, was this all just a digression for her and, or did she progress as a person and, by going through this process? I completely agree with you because I think that it does somewhat feel like a little cul-de-sac here where uh-huh. it's like, well, we spent a little time here. Because I, I always thought that she would like get sent out on a mission and then run into somebody she knows and have a crisis of confidence or something. Right. Like she has to leave them behind or leave the order behind or something. But instead she just walks She's like, nope, I, I'm done here. And, and maybe it will still pan out that she will sort of use the assassin skills she has sure. to sort of go back and wreak vengeance on the people that she feels has wronged yeah, her, she which has, has a always list, been yeah. her plan. Right. Um, and so maybe now she has the skills to do it rather than being sort of a defenseless Oh, yeah. She's, she's really dangerous now. Right. And so I think that's that's a positive in the in the favor of that. But it does feel a little bit... There is something a little bit unsatisfying about it to me. It doesn't quite tie up, um, and I'm 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 curious because in some way I don't know not to get too much into the meta analysis of the show, but it feels some a little bit like they they dug they wanted to dig themselves out of being stuck with her in in Bravos because that's where the books put her and that's where yep. they got it and they realized well we can't really like there's not a great way to get her out of that really so we're gonna kind of. Find a reason, but I I don't know. There's I'm a, not... a lot of complexity in the books that they've simplified that yeah. I think maybe were related to her. Because you know, if you remember in the books, there's this whole revelation about like this character who's the an old town cat that... of isn't that the isn't that or wait sorry you're no the, the character of old town where where they send they're they're supposedly sending Sam to old town to become a meister mm-hmm. and. Uh, we also meet this other character who's going to Old Town and he gets basically like killed and replaced by a faceless man. And there's this real question of like, um, why are the faceless men infiltrating right, the maesters right. and what's going on with that? And I get the sense that the TV show has decided none of that is w- anything we want to cover. Yep. But if but if that storyline is connected with Arya's storyline, then they can't they 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 you know there's nowhere for her to go there they right. need to just set her on whatever they want her next path to be for the tv show yeah no so it, it feels like it, it, i've enjoyed our time in the house of black and white but yeah. but i also am not i'm waiting to see if it ends up being meaningful to Arya as yeah. a person. I hope it means that she is now essentially an adult, that she is right. not only more dangerous as a killer than she was before, and perhaps has a better conception of what killing is about. Right. Perhaps she, and by rejecting the faceless men, she is rese- rejecting this idea mm-hmm. of um, you kill whoever and it doesn't matter whether they're good or bad, you just kill them because it's your job. She is rejecting that. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't, like her former mentor, question mark, uh, the the hound, right? Mm-hmm. Mentor protector dude, um, who is a has embraced that he's a killer but is trying to do good. Maybe she's decided that although she is is going to fight and uh, and kill if necessary, she must have that you know that moral dimension to it she, she can't needs, she needs her own code yeah it's kind of like we saw with jamie so yeah. you know and and it's unclear right now what that is but you know this is a step in that direction and so i'm i'm curious to see as she is sort of poised to reconnect with the main plot and the main characters of the show and sort of instead of being off in her own little storyline uh it's interesting to see how this is gonna play out for her yeah 
All right. Well, as always, all will be revealed in the last two episodes of the year, except for all the parts that aren't revealed until next year or the year after that. Uh, I get the sense, without spoiling the contents of the trailer for those who haven't watched the next time trailer, I get the sense that this, like some other episode nines of past seasons, will perhaps be one thing for most of the episode and mm. that we may not revisit some of these other plot lines until episode 10 because we we didn't see Jon Snow this week at all uh, and it looks like perhaps there will be an awful lot of Jon Snow uh, next week. Yes. So, so still uh, you know, missing a few things with I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering a little bit if we've seen the last of Bran this season, or whether there's a little bit left. Can't be that, right? Yeah, I, mean, I would think they has a little more with uh, with uh, with, with Benjen. Benjen. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would think that we still have a little bit to wrap up with them, sort of circling back in the last episode to but, set them up for next yeah. season. Well, if there's an assault on Winterfell, one of the interesting things about being the three-eyed raven now is that Bran has access presumably to the trees mm-hmm. in, that are in the... Uh, the the in, Godswood. In the Godswood outside of Winterfell. So I wonder if there's going to be a connection there. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we haven't, we, we haven't have to check back in with him. Obviously we're going to get more about what's up with Daenerys. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to have at least uh, the... Uh, the uh, approach of uh, Cersei to trial or perhaps what her next move is. I assume we'll see Marjorie again yes. and get a better sense of what's going on with Marjorie at, at King's Landing. There's a lot more to be done there. Um, and yeah, presumably we will get some more sense before we're done about what is up with the Hound and what his choice is going to be. And not to mention, we still have to... I think we need our reminder of the encroaching threat of the walkers, oh, too. Because yeah. that's sort of... They're, they're getting ever closer. Yeah, I mean, we did get the the, the scene with with uh, Bran in, in the, the door episode, yep. but but uh, it's always good to remember that they yeah are they are they moving on the wall? You know what's the what's the time frame here? How quickly do our our friends have to act? Because again, as important as it is to do things like kill Ramsay Bolton, kill him now, kill him in as many ways as possible, chop him into pieces, feed him to the dire wolf. The fact is, it's humans killing humans while an entire army starts moving, and they're going to kill all the humans, yep. and we're killing each other in the meantime. That's bad. So a reminder of quite what the big picture is here might be a, might be a, a good thing. In the wings. And I'd like to know Daenerys's uh, plan for coming back to Westeros. I would really like to start to see Don't call it come back, Jason. Even, even, if it's, uh, even if it's the Ironborn, even, even if it's Yara and Theon. Like, She's uh, got two Ironborn potentials, because... Isn't uh, Euron is also suggesting yeah. he's going to go off and yeah, marry but he's got to build he's got to build ships and stuff, and they're there now, right? This is true. So yeah. maybe we have a uh, Ironborn versus Ironborn throwdown coming at some coming point. maybe. So many moving pieces. Yeah, well, it's a big big world, the Game of Thrones. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining me in person to talk about this episode. It has been an absolute delight. Well, thank you to everybody out there. We'll be back next time with episode nine. I know they just keep on rolling on. It looks like it's going to be a big one. We will get our armor on and prepare for battle. Uh, But until then, thank you for listening to the TV Game of Thrones flashcast. I've been Jason Snell. For Dan Warren, we say good night.